Hey, I want to welcome you to our New Life Weekend experience. And I'm so glad that you've tuned in and you want to be part of what God wants to do in you and what God's doing in us together. Uh, don't forget, like you saw at the beginning of uh, our video, that there are resources down below, uh, how you can connect through, you know, note-taking sheet and different things available for you, for your family. Uh, so make sure you check those out, as well as different ways that you can give. Uh, I know that's a challenging thing for us and a challenging time, but I'm telling you, God has so much in store when we live open-handed and we respond and we give back to him. So you can check all those resources, how you can do that uh, down below. One last thing, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. It'll allow you to get a notice every time we have a new video up every single weekend uh, and, and other times during the week and during the, the month as well. So check that out, hit that button, and you can be part of our New Life community in doing that. One last thing, I know I said that before, but one last thing. Uh, every weekend uh, here at our Turlock campus at 9 and 10.30, our Patterson campus at 9 and 10.30 as well, we have our live services. And I know some of you have been watching, maybe you're in that lane one and you just feel, feel comfortable there, totally get it. But when the time is right and when you're ready, I want to encourage you to come back to be part of a live service. Um, I, here's what's going to happen, is you're going to walk through the doors, you're going to experience it, and then you're going to go, that's what was missing, being around others, being part of the family. I know we can watch and learn online. I'm so grateful for that. But there's something about being part of the faith community that, uh, that takes your really takes your heart and your faith to a new level. So come join us uh, one of these weekends. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. Now, over these last weeks, we've been looking at the names of God. The series is called God Is and what they mean and, and how we can apply those directly to our lives today. N names are so important. I mean, we all know that's, that's what we call each other. It's how we identify ourselves, how we identify someone else. But think about this. Whenever someone says the name of a person that you know, you automatically connect what you know about them to their name, right? When, when someone you really like, someone that you care about, someone who has inspired you, someone who's special to you, when someone says their name, it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, I've had that happen so many times where I say, hey, they're a friend of mine. I, I know them because it brings up all of these oftentimes good feelings. Uh, it also kind of brings up sometimes the challenging things as well, if there's someone that we have been in conflict with. But think about it even just bigger than that. We, we don't even have to say someone's whole name uh, sometimes to, to have a feeling about them. So think about famous people. If I say uh, Timberlake, well, you probably think of a singer and an actor. You think of some hits that he had. All you have to do is say that name and it brings up those feelings. Or Adele. Right? You think of this British pop star and her, you know, her voice, which is like that alto low, and you just think, oh, yeah, I, I totally like that. Or, or even a name like Elon or his last name, Musk, and you think of Tesla and SpaceX and his baby that's named something kind of weird, but it does that. Or the name Bezos, and you think of Amazon and money and wealth and all of those different things. See, our names sometimes have, have what we do attached to them. So you may call me Pastor Dave, but anyone who hangs out with me long enough, I'm, I'm just Dave. So we get these feelings and, and 
we have things that are associated with names, our, our, our brains kind of instantly make those connections. So in essence, our character or our characteristics and our personality is attached to the name that we have or that we give someone else. Well, the same is true of God. God is known by many names throughout the Bible with each name really expressing a, uh, an aspect or a nuance of his character. So in this series, week one, we looked at this name Yahweh, which is the all-encompassing name of God. It's the personal name, the name of power and strength. And I, I shared with you how this name Jehovah, which we're probably more familiar with, is actually this name Yahweh and the Hebrew name Adonai, which means Lord, combined together. And we did that in kind of an English translation centuries ago. And so we ended up with the name uh, Jehovah. But it's really when you see that in the Bible, it's this all-encompassing name of God, Yahweh. Then we talked about Jehovah Jireh, which is God, my provider. In week three, we looked at Jehovah Shalom, which means God is my peace. And last week, we looked at Jehovah Nissi, which means God is, is my banner. And if you missed any of these, uh, look at our channel on YouTube and you can, you can catch up in these. But each of these names brings a nuance and a perspective that is so powerful. And today, we're going to look at this name Jehovah Rapha, which means God is my healer. And that that word Rapha literally means to heal or to restore or to make whole. And I couldn't think of a better week to dive into this name since it's also going to be a time of communion today. And so at the end of the message, we're going to pause and we're going to share communion together. So if you want to hit this on pause or if you just want to know that towards the end, you're going to run and grab some bread and some juice and, and follow along and be part of this with us together. I also can't think of a better time than now for us as a nation and as a country to call upon this aspect of God being Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Because when you look around at all the divisiveness and the polarization that is so prevalent, our, our nation and our communities need healing. There needs to be this coming together and this unity. And you may say, Dave, I don't know if that's ever going to happen again. And it may not. It may not, but we still pray for that kind of healing of, of the people of our, of, our, of our nation. And maybe you're thinking, oh man, I didn't even think about that when, when you mentioned healing. Because often when we think of heal or restore, our minds you know, kind of quickly go to, well, someone is sick or someone has cancer or whatever it might be. And we've, we've prayed that they would be, that God would heal them in that. We kind of go there. I, it's kind of an easy jump to make, but healing is, is broader than that. And for me, I, I continually pray that, that our God, this Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, will touch those who have been struggling with COVID. And I pray that God would heal those who are battling cancer right now. And that list goes on and on. And we sometimes miss the fact that some of us need a healing in, in our minds and in our thoughts. Some of us need healing in our emotions. Um, some need healing in, in relationships. And most important is that we need healing spiritually in the depths of our heart and our soul.
And the good news is, is that we serve a God who can do all of that, who can bring healing in so many different areas and places in our lives because he is the one who brings restoration and healing to us. So before we dive into this and take a look at Exodus 15, uh, I want us to go all the way back into history and to see where God first made this statement that he was the God who heals because we see him as the healer in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament. But we're going to go to Exodus 15 and look at the very first time that, that this name is, is proclaimed. But before we read, I, I want to set the scene for us because it has been a long and it has been a tiring road for the people of Israel as they move into this uh, Exodus passage that we're, that we're going to see. So to set that up, I want to ask you, have you ever been on a really long hike you know, maybe, maybe backpacking, like with a full pack on. Maybe it's just a day pack. Uh, maybe you decided to one Saturday go and, you know, walk to a certain lake or something like that. And yet as you do it, it just seems like it's never going to end. Now, I used to lead these kinds of hikes, but my family won't come with me anymore on them because I've taken them on too many of these that have that kind of never-ending quality to them. I remember one time I had read about a hike that, uh, started on the west side of Lake Tahoe and went for several miles, probably four or five miles, and you ended up at Viking's Home, which is in Emerald Cove there on, on Lake Tahoe. And I remember it was fun at first. Uh, we were just hiking along and, you know, kind of laughing and singing. The view is gorgeous uh, through all that. Beautiful, clear day. Air is just so fresh and the sounds of the lake and all of nature around, it was just beautiful. But after a while, as you know, as you're walking down that, that path and that trail, you start to wonder, I wonder how far I've gone. Have I gone a half a mile? Have I gone a mile? Have I gone two miles? And we tend to overestimate how far we've actually gotten because it seems like, man, we should be, we should be rounding the corner and seeing you know, our, our destination here, here pretty soon. But I'll tell you, for us that day, every time that we came around a bend in the trail and we expected, okay, he, here it is, it was just like, oh, more trees, more trail. And it's like, well, maybe around, maybe around the next one, maybe around that bend or, or just over that little hill there. Nope, more trees, more trail. And it got to be so long. And that's when my name was first cursed by my family. But as you become more tired and more and more frustrated, you also start to become more and more concerned. Like, did we take a wrong turn somewhere? Like, did we get off somewhere? You know, I know my family was wondering, you know, maybe Dave's just kind of an idiot, doesn't know what he's doing here. But panic starts to set in a little bit. And I know the same thing can happen in life with our, our work and our friendships and relationships, the problems that we face, our, our finances, our schooling, all of those things. You hit a rough patch and you kind of take it in stride and you think, well, you know, life just kind of happens like that, but I'm going to get through this. And, and then you keep going and maybe something that seemed like it would be over in a couple of days turns into weeks and months and possibly years. I think we've been in that these last nearly two years. And, and things can stay the same or they can start getting worse and you begin to wonder like, what is going on? So maybe you pray harder 
and you pray more and still things don't, don't change. And then you reach this point and you know that point, right? The point where you're kind of at the end and you just, you don't know where to turn yet. Your back's against the wall. You're frustrated. You may be frightened, but there's just this sense of, I, I don't know what else to do. And then here's where you go. Is God angry with me? Is God turning his back on me? Is God even real? And if you've ever reached that point, and maybe you're at that point right now, then you can begin to imagine what the people of Israel were feeling as they wandered through the desert and the wilderness. That's where they were. They'd seen incredible things happen. And they thought, surely we're going to get there. And then it just keeps going and going and going. And God, after rescuing them from the Red Sea, takes them on a three-day journey through the wilderness of this place called Shur, S-H-U-R, where they hit a physical, emotional, and psychological wall. And ironically enough, this name Shur means a wall. And they were up against it and didn't know what to do. So that's where we pick this up in Exodus 15. And I'm going to start at verse 22. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. And when they came to the oasis of Merah, the water was too bitter to drink. And so they called the place Merah, which literally means bitter. And the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. It's an important thing. Cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Now, I'm just going to pause there for a moment. That seems like a, a non sequitur, right? It's like, I'm crying out for help and God shows me a piece of wood. It's like, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, how, in that, how, is, how is that going to help me at all in this? So pick it up again. It says, Moses uh, threw that piece of wood into the water and this made the water good to drink. And it was there at Merah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. Remember, they've just come out of the plagues and all that time in, in Egypt and the hundreds of years of slavery. So it's been this difficult time. And then God says this, for I am the Lord who heals you. And literally the Hebrew there is, I am Yahweh Rapha. I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Now, I know we may read that and see where God says this word diseases that came from the plagues and we think about all the situation that took place. But here's the thing, at the center of all of this that is going on, there was a heart issue. It wasn't just about physical diseases, it was, it was a disease of the soul. It was, it was pride and stubbornness and unwillingness to trust in God and in his ways. It was a broken, unhealthy heart and soul. Do you know where this word heal comes from? The, the origins of this word have to do uh, with actually our, our clothes, our garments. And when uh, our cl the clothes would have uh, a tear or a hole, or maybe they just worn thin, um, people would, would hang them up 
You know, they didn't have hangers, but they would have a thing to, to put that on. And then they would carefully pull out the broken or the worn threads, and they would literally reweave what was torn or, uh, or worn thin, and they would bring whole threads and replace them, put them into place. And it was called a healing of a garment. It was, it was made whole again. And when you and I make a decision to put our trust and our faith into the hands of the great healer, Jehovah Rapha, he's able to take these worn out and broken parts of our lives, places where we have been beaten and battered and where we're weathered and sick and broken. He takes all of that and he remakes us. He renews us. He makes us whole again. That's who he is. Now, all through scripture, you're going to see places where God does this. Um, I'm just going to read you a few. In Psalm 41, we see that the Lord heals our our physical sickness. It says the Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. But there's also that spiritual wearing thin. And in Psalm 23, which we, we kind of know that the Lord is my shepherd uh, chapter, but in this, it says that he renews my strength. In other words, he brings healing to my, to my spiritual fatigue and, and tiredness. There's the emotional side. And in Psalm 147, it says he heals the brokenhearted. And then when we think about our anxiety and our worry and all that gets us churns up, in John 14, Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. Now, that's not the exhaustive list of that, but we see these different places where God can bring his healing. So today, we're going to look at some scripture from both the New and the Old Testaments to show how God is still active, how he's still alive in our lives today as the one who heals and restores. So first, I want you to think back to what we were looking at in Exodus 15, where the Israelites found themselves, the desert, for three days. And they'd been traveling in the heat, the water was, was running low. And then when they finally did find water, they couldn't drink it because it was bitter and it wasn't safe for them to drink. And, and here they are in this place. They knew they couldn't drink this water, but what was bad and damaged and unhealthy, God made whole and, and right again. And this is actually another place where he is Jehovah Jireh. He's the God who provides, which he did for them. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, but he provided exactly what they needed to survive. Well, some of you are kind of like that today. You found yourself in your own dry desert place, and now you're dying of thirst, and you're helpless, and you're powerless, and you just, you just need something to sustain and revive you. Now, we're not talking about a physical desert, and we're not talking about literal water but I don't have to describe the area of your life where you need that refreshment, you need that healing, you need that restoration. And so I believe this weekend, God wants to be the one who heals and restores you, that he would be our Jehovah Rapha. So I just have a couple things I want you to write down uh, today. The first is this, God is the healer and I am powerless. God is the healer and I'm powerless. I want you to think for a moment of what, what that desert place looks like for you, where you find yourself, like, 
I don't know what to do at this point. I don't know where to turn anymore. Maybe it's a season of waiting for you and you just, you've grown tired of waiting. Where is that where you need God to bring healing and restoration? Notice that, that Moses cries out in desperation for exactly what the people needed. They needed water. And there's nothing more that they could do. They don't have well drilling equipment. There's, they can't just keep wandering for miles and miles with, with literally you know, a million people. They, like, they can't, can't do this anymore. There, there are children and animals. And so in verse 25, we see that Moses cries out to the Lord for help. God, you've got to do something in this. Here's the personal side for us right here in November of 2021. When was the last time you cried out to God for his presence, for his help, and for his healing? Or are you still trying to somehow manage and control and, and make it happen? See, God doesn't drive us to those places of desperation, but life takes us to those places. And God loves it when we come to him and we ask. Just like a, a kid coming to his dad or his mom saying, here's what's going on. Can you help me in this? And God, God loves stepping into that. And we think about these different arenas where if we say, God, I'm crying out to you that, to, to heal my thoughts and my mind because I feel like I'm going crazy. Or God, heal my heart because this pain that I'm in is, is too great. Or God, heal my addiction because I'm about to lose everything. Or God, would you bring healing to my soul? Forgive my sins because I, I can't rescue myself. Our God, this Jehovah Rapha, can heal us, heal you, heal me. When we've come to the end of ourself, and our ability to manage and control and to fix and to change, that, those desert places, he can bring healing. He can take out all the worn, the worn threading of what's causing the unhealth and replace it with something new and fresh and life-giving. Whether it's in your mind and your thought life or in your emotions, or your relationships, or your body or your spirit, God can take what is damaged and make it whole again. And sometimes it just begins with us taking the time to worship him and honor him and recognize him as the one who does this. In Psalm 103, King David said this, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. And here's this line, heals all my diseases. Now, if you know anything about King David in the Bible, you know the diseases he's referring to here is not just physical it's not just, ah, you know, he had a bad back or was having some skin problems or whatever. Now, God's fully capable of that. But when David was talking about healing all of my diseases, he was talking about the, the issues in his life, the things that were diseased and unhealthy and how God could bring forgiveness and healing to him. See, today we can praise the Lord with our whole heart because of all the good things he's done. And if the only thing he ever does for us is forgive us our sins, and you know what, for me, that's enough. I'm still gonna ask, I'm still gonna pray, and you know what, I know that God's gonna respond. He has in the past and he will continue. I believe that. But I'll tell you, forgiving my sin 
It heals and restores the broken relationship that I've had with the Father. And when Jesus went to the cross, his, his sacrifice for us brought healing and restoration to the broken relationship in all of humanity and allows us to be reconciled back to him, allows us access and friendship with, with our God, the one who created us and knows us. That is the deepest healing. And when our souls are in that desert place searching for nourishment, searching for something to drink, the world can't, can't offer what, what we need. Culture and society around us doesn't have anything to give other than really bitter water. And we try and heal ourselves with substitutes that only lead us to addictions. Things like substance and drugs and success and image and sex and the stuff we buy. And the, tra- the, the, the travesty is, is that we change jobs and houses and move states and we change churches and we leave our families because we think that'll fix it. That'll get me out of this pain. But all those things are just false idols and substitutes for the healing that our souls really need. Jehovah Rapha, God, our healer, has something so much better. And he's constantly inviting us in close. Isaiah 55 says this, Come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. In other words, there's abundance in life for you. He says, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. He's saying, come to me and you'll find life and healing and sustenance. I'll tell you, whatever your dry desert place is today, wherever you are powerless and at the end of yourself, that place that needs healing from God, know that he is the healer today. And he's inviting you to come close and experience that. The second thing I want you to write down is this, is that God heals in his way and in his time. Let me say that again, because this, this, this is hard. God heals in his way and in his time. See, we want things our way. We, we have our our list. God, this is how I want you to accomplish it. This is what I want you to do. And yet God is at work in ways we can't even fathom and we can't even comprehend. God, this is what healing looks like for me today. This is what I want you to do. Just do this, God, and everything will be great. And he may do that, but he may also bring his healing to deeper parts of us, challenging places in our heart and soul. Maybe he's healing us from our need to control the healing. See, he's not doing this to spite us. He's not doing this to string us along. He moves and operates in our lives because he absolutely loves us and he wants the best for us. And I know we've said this numerous times, but he he loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. And sometimes pain and struggle moves us. And God keeps inviting us in closer. Think about Moses back in Exodus 15. Up to this point, God had done some pretty remarkable things, including the plagues that they saw in Egypt, parting the Red Sea, turning Moses' staff into a snake, and on and on. So God is pointing out this piece of wood for Moses to throw into the water. Isn't the weirdest thing in this whole scenario, but it's still kind of odd. You think, well, like, why can't you just do it? Like, Like, what do you have to... Why do I have to get this piece of wood and take it into the water? But know that Moses 
at least what we read, he doesn't pause, he doesn't hesitate, he just does it because he's seen enough of God's goodness, he's seen enough of God's grace that he trusts God to do what he couldn't do in the timing and in his way. Look at verse 25 again. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help and the Lord showed him a piece of wood and Moses threw it into the water and this made the water good to drink. So here's my question. Let's bring this kind of metaphor to us today. What's your piece of wood? What's this area of faith and trust that God is inviting you to take up so that he can demonstrate how he is the God who restores and makes whole? That, that part that you have in this. Maybe, maybe it's your marriage that needs healing. And maybe your piece of wood is reaching out to a marriage counselor, going on a marriage retreat, talking with a trusted, wise couple that can help you walk through that. If it's an addiction, maybe your piece of wood is, is coming to celebrate recovery on Monday nights here at our Turlock campus and beginning to take the steps of recovery. And God will meet you there. And God will continue and begin to bring his healing into your life. But what, what's your part in this? If it's a relational issue, maybe your piece of wood is calling or texting or writing this person and saying, hey, can we talk? I, I, I want to work this out. And most importantly, if it's spiritual he, healing, maybe your piece of wood is recognizing your need for a savior. It's admitting your need to confess your sins to Christ and invite him into your life. Maybe beginning today, it's, it's coming up close and personal with the one who's given everything to you. And this isn't somehow trying to figure out how much change we need to put into the healing vending machine so that, you know, God owes us in this. It, it's not that. It's always been about relationship. Thinking uh, to the New Testament, there are so many times where Jesus responds as Jehovah Rapha. You're not going to see that language. You're not going to see that name. But he responds as the God who heals and there are two of them that come to mind as I've been processing through this. The first is where the man with leprosy approaches Jesus, if you remember this scene. And he's begging to be healed. Begging, Jesus, would you heal me? And Jesus was moved by this man. But here's the part that's amazing. Jesus gets up close to this man with this this disease that was, was deadly and fatal. And Jesus comes in close. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 41 and 42, it says this, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing. So, so catch this. He touches him. He moves in close before the leprosy is gone. And then he says, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappears and the man was healed. Now, this, this is my take. I think there were different types of healing that happened in this scenario. Before the leprosy is gone, Jesus moves in close and touches him. And nobody did that. Nobody did that because leprosy was so transferable. But I think there were scars and wounds in this man's heart and soul, loneliness and depression and loss of hope. And Jesus saw him saw him not as a bother or a crazy man, but as a real valuable, precious masterpiece. And there was this deeper healing in Jesus' touch that went beyond just the healing of a disease in his body. 
Now, a few days after this, Jesus is teaching in a town and people are coming from all over to hear him and to see him. And these four guys had a friend who was paralyzed and they wanted to get him to Jesus for healing because he'd already shown himself as as the one who heals, maybe the Messiah. And so maybe he'll heal their friend. And you probably know the story, but they go up to the roof and they tear the, the roofing off and they lower him down in front of Jesus. And Jesus does the ultimate healing. Look what Jesus does, Mark 2, 5. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. You realize what happened there? Jesus healed his soul. Jesus healed the most important thing. But everyone around starts talking and the religious leaders were, were pretty riled up, got indignant. They're like, who does he think he is? Who does Jesus, he's saying, like, forgive sins? Like, nobody has the power to do that. And then Jesus says this, which do you think is easier? Like, kind of a question here he's throwing out. Which is easier, to forgive sins or to make this man walk? And here's the challenge for me. And I know the outcome. I know what happens in the story. But if I was sitting there in the crowd, I think, Man, one of those things I can see, like if this guy really gets up and walks, I can see that. That's like, that's got to be way harder. The other I can't, right? I mean, that could just be words. Your sins are forgiven. Like, can you even do that? But Jesus says, so that you can know that I truly am God. And he looks at this man and says, pick up your mat and go home. And he does. He walks out of there. See, God can heal the body and he can heal the circumstances and the the pain and the wounds in your life. He can. And he often does. But can I tell you, he is mostly concerned about the healing of your heart and soul. He cares about what you're experiencing and where you're wounded. But it's not just body. It's deeper. Jesus said this a little later on in the book of Mark. He says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And you know what Jesus would say to that? He'd answer his own question. He'd say, no, nothing's worth more than your soul. Jesus came and he went to the cross to bring healing to you and me in every arena of life. But his timing and his way and his will in that is sometimes challenging. But I'll tell you, when it comes to the most important thing, your soul, His healing is for you and you get to make that choice. And when we are broken, he brings restoration and where we're wounded, he brings healing in his time and in his way. He sets right the deepest places in us, our heart and soul. Hey, I want you to get your communion stuff out because this leads us right to that important place where we know that Jesus went to the cross and he did it for our healing. He did it for our restoration. And Jesus gathered with his followers, with his disciples, and they were around that Passover table. And this is right before he went to the cross. He, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. For you. Let's eat together. And then Jesus took the cup and he blessed it and said, this is the blood of a new covenant, a new relationship between God and man. Our sins forgiven, 
our souls healed because of his sacrifice. Let's drink together. Let's pray. Father, today we are so grateful that you are powerful and mighty. You're a God who provides. You're a God who brings peace. You're a God who is our rallying cry and our banner, the one who is our shield and defender. We thank you for that. But Lord, you don't stop there. You're the one who heals the wounded, broken places within us. God, we know that you are a God of physical healing. The Bible calls you our, our great physician. And we're so grateful for that. And we don't always understand your timing and how you move and how that works and why sometimes it seems like yes and sometimes it seems like no. We don't understand that. But Lord, I, I pray you'd continue leading us to a place of deeper trust in you that we don't love you and trust you because of outcomes, love you and trust you because of who you are and you're good and gracious. And the deepest healing you bring to us is to our heart and soul. And Lord, for each person who is watching this and listening to this, Lord, if, if they are far from you, I just pray that right now in this moment, they would just pray to invite you to be the Lord and the healer and the leader, the savior of their life. And in that, Lord, you bring such deep, powerful healing that you truly are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. We love you and we thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us uh, for this worship experience. And as we close this out, I want to just read you one last passage from 1 Peter. It says this, He, talking about Jesus, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. I pray that you walk in that healing today because he is for you. Thanks for joining us. Have a great one. God bless.